Through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world. I offer them for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart, the salvation of souls, reparation for sin, and the reunion of all Christians. I offer them for the intentions of our bishops and of all apostles of prayer, and in particular for those recommended by our Holy Father this month. Amen. In the name Amen. of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Joanne, there's so much going on in life. You know, this is, and it's going to be a very packed program. Uh, so everyone stay tuned because this is quite a month. Packed and month. a lot to share. <laughs> a lot. So, Joanne, what was your takeaway from the exciting events of last month at the Sacred Heart Congress? Well, you know, we had to listen remotely, and um, I thought it was just awesome. I thought that the Lord really prepared people for the enthronement. I thought there was a special grace and anointing. And what I really was amazed at at the um, at the internet is that the extra what sixteen hundred people could tune in in addition to the 350 people who were present. So during these times, the Lord really has prepared us with our home enthronement and with technology to reach even really globally, Father. Mm-hmm. It's true. No, Very I true. thought it was great. What, awesome. did, what was your take? Oh, I was exhausted. (laughs) I was there. It was beautiful. Uh, There's definitely, uh, you could definitely tell the Holy Spirit was present there uh, at St. Paul's Church. I mean, there was a a beautiful uh, sense of solidarity among those who were present, who were yearning for uh, the consolation that can only come from the heart of Jesus. There was also a fervor in the air. Um, There was definitely a noticeable excitement in all of those who spoke. Um, you know, it was just an opportunity in these uh, times of incredible uncertainty to go back to the one who is absolutely certain, the Lord. And um, it, it was just, it was very much a blessing, you know, for everyone who was present, for everyone who is, uh, as you said, tuning in. Um, you know, and I think it was just as it has been in previous years, although a bit of a different format, as it has been in previous years, it was very much a blessing and uh, a blessing that'll probably still unfold and develop throughout the ages as, you know, we bask in the glory of his heart. Now, we really miss Bill being present there. And Bill, what was your take? Well, I was just so thankful. I I, I had uh, contracted COVID earlier in the week, so it was mm. my first day of yes. feeling relatively well. And I was so thankful for that and for the streaming. Um, but it was so beautiful to hear uh, the prayers throughout the day. I was especially struck by Father Wilson, and he talked about keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus this Advent, mm-hmm. uh, keeping the noise of the culture and many things that might be disturbing our peace, and to keep those in the periphery vision. So I really was struck by that, and Emily Jaminat speaking about uh, her new book, The Secrets of the Sacred Heart, which each family in, t- in attendance got that book. It's a beautiful, reflective book of uh, you know, just a few pages that you can take to adoration and really try to immerse yourself into the beauty of the Sacred Heart. Oh, I, I totally agree. Actually, you know, Chuck had a cataract surgery before his back surgery, and so his vision is not, you know, totally clear at this point. So actually I'm reading it out loud. 
And, you know, by reading it, so I really recommend that also in a family, if you have uh, a setting where you can gather and even just a page or two, but then to go into the pondering and the share questions and then the, to pray the litany. It's a really great preparation, and uh, we're really getting quite a bit out of it, just Chuck and I. It's amazing that we have such a important local author, Emily Jaminette, right in her own midst. Uh, she wrote this beautiful book. She's yep. wrote, written several other books. She's the director of uh, Sacred Heart, um, um, welcomehisheart.com. It's just amazing that God has brought all these precious gifts together here locally. Well, I, I agree. And I think, you know, of course, she's my daughter, but I also know that she's a mom and a wife. And really, with the seven children, I think just being in the midst of life, of living it, experiencing it, has really been um, another gift for her writing. Because it's real. (laughs) I can tell you it's real. (laughs) So, But yes, I think people who receive the book, and they can still order more books and be a great Christmas gift. But also, Bill, the mailing that went out from Catholic Radio with the home enthronement and the certificate, wow, that was really a happening. And I'm so appreciative just to have received a booklet and having, of course, enthroned and will be renewing. But I'm saying, Lord, who can I share this with? Mm. That's How beautiful. can I personally, now I have this, and, you know, they could pick it up, I could drop it off, be an instrument. So everyone, how many were mailed out, Bill? Yeah, over 2,000. I don't know oh, if you knew wow. that, Father Stosh. I did not, no. Yeah, we, we didn't send you know, multiple <clears throat> books because this was more of a outreach than it was mm. a request from mm-hmm. our, our donors and supporters. Oh. But during this COVID period, we really felt prompted that there might be families that have been uh, hoping to enthrone their home, hoping to take steps as a family to kind of put the stake in the ground and say, Jesus is the king of our home. Uh, So we preemptively sent a book to each family. Um, Again, they'd have to share that, or they'd have to go to welcomeisheart.com and download the um, download another version, uh, but they can still enthrone their home. And Joanne, I know you had some timing uh, in the notes here that you wanted to encourage them, not just this Advent, which of course would be beautiful any weekend to enthrone your home, but maybe even kind of circle that around Christmas. I, it's a perfect, it, it's really a perfect opportunity. But I, you know, actually, I don't know that I'd wait I don't, I don't think I would either. I, I would say just do it and then renew it. And, um, you know, because I do think our times are really difficult, and we all know that. And at any time the Lord's offering grace and offering help, I know in my life sometimes I'd say, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray that in Novena and do that around Easter, and then I get busy, and then it doesn't happen. So I would say uh, Christmas would be a beautiful time, and then the 12 days of Christmas afterwards Mm -hmm. for the book, the 12 chapters, is another perfect way to go deeper. But um, I think we need all the help we can get, and help is 
not just on the way, help is here. It is. And we're in the Advent season. <laughs> That's very true. Very, very true. You know, Joanne, I was thinking about, uh, thinking as you were speaking, um, you and Chuck are at home right now. Uh, yeah, you know, we're sheltering. Focusing that new on work. health, you know, <laughs> sheltering. <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, there's an opportunity for all of us, for each of us, regardless of our state in life and um, regardless of what's going on in our own personal lives, to uh, can consider the culture in the home. Uh, not just the culture of the world, but what's the culture in the home? You know, what, what's the focus of our home life and how do we live that out, whether we are living um, alone or whether we are, you know, empty nesters, whether we're grandparents, whether we're uh, a family, uh, you know, young married couple, students, you know, what's the culture of that place where I live? You, you know, I have a sharing that happened uh, last week, and I think many, especially women or families could relate is decorations Mm -hmm. and i was not i just thought i just can't get this mojo going (laughs) and (laughs) i said this christmas oh chuck it's going to be so simple we're just going to put up the nativity scene and we do have an artificial tree maybe not all the ornaments just you know let's just trim it down no one's going to come in the house it's just the two of us. And then, then one of my wise adult children said to me, Mom, you love to decorate. You're like a kid. These are like your toys every year. You can't wait to open those boxes and have people over and you enjoy it. And this year, you just don't seem to have it. I said, I don't. No, I just don't. And you know what? My son actually said to me, Mom, you did it because you loved it and you shared it and it was so fun. Well, this year, just do it for Jesus. Just do it to celebrate Him and to love Him, even if you don't feel like it. And you know what? It changed everything. If you walked into our house, we have Hallmark going on. Jack <laughs> <laughs> keeps saying, I think we need more lights. We are lit up. It is, of course, no one will probably see it, but we see it, and it's for Jesus. And it has taken on a new meaning even in our home and a new joy in our home because it's, it really did start with not a feeling. It started with the love of the Lord in Advent, celebrating and focusing. And beauty is part of God. God is beauty. So, um, yeah, it's razzle-dazzle. For, you know. <laughs> but I, I share that. So if you're out there and you just feel kind of punk and you just don't quite just do it for jesus do Mm. it for jesus and he will give you through his sacred heart he will infuse your heart with a new love even for christmas and for advent that um i think we've never quite had it before because we're not so cluttered up either with the shopping and the baking and you know i don't think anyone wants to eat my cookie they might think it's got (laughs) 
I'm not a very good baker anyway. <laughs> Does that make sense, Father? We always have to check with you. <laughs> I, I think sure it makes I'm total sense. You know, I am trying to ch- uh, keep track of phrases for bumper stickers. So what was that thing you said about mojo? You couldn't get your, couldn't keep, get your mojo going for Jesus or something like that. What was that again? You know, we're always looking for those one-liners to put on the back of our car. <laughs> Catch the attention. Keep people focused, right? Anybody? Apply your brakes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's a, it's an important opportunity for each of us, um, you know, as we're in this holy season of Advent, to just kind of you know think about what is the culture of my mm. home, what what's the culture that I'm trying to build here, and and what's the culture built on? Is it focused on? Um, the neighbor, is it focusing on mm-hmm. pressing someone or is it focusing on glorifying the Lord? And we're all kind of going through that process now. I mean, I, I firmly believe that for all of us uh, who are alive right now, you know, this Advent would be, could be, should be, indeed is going to be very different than any other Advent we've lived because the light of Christ uh, stands in such a stark contrast now to the darkness of the world and the mm-hmm. hope that the Christian has in the Lord Jesus, that hope is standing out so much more. I mean, mm. uh, and this Advent season gives us an opportunity to, you know, kind of replenish the joy, uh, acknowledge the hope that the Lord gives, and to dwell in His love. And that's ultimately what, you know, we're called to have that, not just in church when we pray, but we're also supposed to have that at home. And it's an opportunity for us to kind of say, well, how do I bring that into the home? And the opportunity to acknowledge the presence of Jesus as king, brother, and friend, to acknowledge that he doesn't just visit as a mighty ruler or even merely as an infant, but he dwells among us in his heart uh, forever and always, and to acknowledge that heart. And then, you know, through the light of his heart, we grow in our appreciation for his infancy, his birth and his infancy and his life uh, and his death and his resurrection. And the season of Advent is just... I think it's providing all of us. I mean, I I know just with everything going on over the past eight months, you know, on first Sunday of Advent, there was just like a renewed uh, kick in my step. I was just grateful for a new beginning. I was grateful for a new season, a new year um, to enter into the holy season of Advent and kind of coming off the cusp of, you know, celebrating the kingship of Jesus and then going into the season where we await the coming of the king um, to enter into the home and just kind of allow my eyes to wander and then settle upon the image of his heart and to have that reality realization that, you know, we're not alone in this. He is here. And, you know, I think when we have enthroned our home, there's sort of a new awareness of that. There is mm, a new awareness yeah. of that in that even the Advent season or the Christmas season or Lent, I mean, it's there. there is a very big difference having had your home enthroned and officially welcomed him and made him, you know, the king of your home and and asked him to really transform your heart, that there, you know, he does it. He, He helps you. And when you look back over the years, and for us it's been since the 80s when we enthroned our home, I can see how he has been there when we were not even aware, especially when we were not aware. Mm. And the difficulties of life, which are part of life. And as you say, Father, it's not that the difficulties vanish, but that you have new graces to deal with them and to walk with them. And that's been really helpful for me and helpful for 
uh, people coming to me and saying, I enthroned my home, and, gee, things seem to get a little worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? Yes. laughs> that, as you say, the Lord will... You know, rearrange your furniture and expose Without your things. permission. <laughs> <laughs> Typical man. <laughs> you know, <I> just, <laughs> but I think we need to remember that. that it's, totally. Yeah. The cross is part of the journey. It's true. So true. You know, Bill, what, when you think of Advent, what is, uh, is there anything that comes to your mind, Advent season? You know, for the last several years, um, I, I pray the... Um, Blessed be the hour and the moment prayer. Blessed mm. be the hour and the moment which the Son of God was born of the most pure Virgin Mary at midnight in Bethlehem in piercing cold. Vouchsafe, all my God, to hear oh. my prayer, to grant my desire through the message of your Savior, Jesus Christ, and his blessed mother. And repeat that five, 15 times a day. Start that on, on uh, the Feast of St. Stephen on November oh, yeah. the 30th. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. And for me, it's a really beautiful preparation yeah, and a reminder. Totally. To kind of immerse myself in that moment in yeah. which the God of the universe came to be with us and that mm. he longed mm. to complete us. And it's just, I think, a beautiful thing for me. So for me, it's it, it's it's a simple devotion. Sure. And there are many devotions that yeah. are so beautiful. Oh, uh, yeah, the totally. Advent wreath, of course. Yep. Uh, I know that Emily Jaminette had mentioned a number of times that, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you're still doing it, or maybe you did this, Joanne, mm-hmm. but of course, you know, bringing the sacred heart into the home and mm-hmm. and being open to his love and to recognize that love you must reflect that. You know, you, you can't mm. receive love without giving love. Yeah. And I think Emily had said that maybe your family or maybe there's a number of families that take little, um, a, a little jar of uh, straw and for every mm-hmm. act of charity they give to somebody within the home during Advent, they'll put that straw in the manger. Yes, we've done that. And also I put up a, a, a plain tree, small tree, with a basket of ornaments next to it. And so when the children or Chuck and I would do something, you know, hidden and not to boast on it or even share it, you would just put that ornament on the tree. Mm. And I remember it would be kind of getting close to Christmas, and that tree would not have too many ornaments. <laughs> Can you take any of them off? Joanne, I want a picture here. of that tree come <laughs> Christmas because it's just you and Chuck at home. So. Can I sweep the floor for you? And you know, uh, hey, what can, you know, can I fold the, the laundry? And and then the more ornaments would appear on the tree. But it was a visual, just like the straw in the manger. It was a visual of you know, because it, it was helpful. It was something concrete. And um, just there's so many things. And I think with the internet now and all the resources. You know, as families have taken on the responsibility more, when I grew up, it was the Catholic schools. It was like you send your child to a Catholic school, and as a parent, you're almost done, because they will, the good sisters will teach them. Well, now we understand we have the responsibility, and but we also have tools that we didn't have before. So, yeah, so uh, if go to welcomeisheart.com and you will get ideas, you as a family and as a household, and that's another resource that we have for you today, welcomeisheart.com. 
and father with his videos. You know, there's so many helps out there, but we need to plug into them. We need to actually uh, take them and, and use them. But um, there's nothing but joy at the end of the road. There's nothing that is uh, lacking. We just have to be the ones to really take the initiative, especially as parents and grandparents. That's very true. And what about you, Father? What comes to mind for you in Advent? You know, I, um, I've always, since, uh, well, since as long as I can remember, I, I've always had an incredible devotion to the Christ child. And I think some of that, some of that was in my um, maternal grandparents' home. It really started with the infant Jesus of Prague um, devotion. But, I mean, over the years, especially going into high school and then seminary, um, it, it was always a uh, challenge First of all, um, it eventually became a challenge, you know, to my masculinity uh, as it, you know, growing into uh, through high school and college seminary, you know, just growing into manhood, and you'd see this statue of the infant Jesus, and you're kind of like, mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, what's this I guy got to do with me? You know, <laughs> so, yeah. he's got like dresses on and everything else. It's kind of weird, um, but you know, through the turning events of life and whatnot. Um, at Christmas, I think it was seeing the infant Jesus throughout the year, then uh, coming into Christmas or the Advent and the Christmas season, you know, we had a tradition where the youngest child in the, the family or among the grandkids would put the baby Jesus in the crib on um, mm, Christmas Eve night, you know, and uh, whether we'd gone to the Vigil Mass or Christmas Day Mass with grandparents, whatever, but the youngest child usually would put the, the infant in the crib and uh, the crash. And I don't know, there was just something... It's not some of like my fondest memories, and maybe some of the deepest formation took in um, under the watchful eye of the grandparents and you know mom, uh, having to carefully unwrap the figures to prepare mm. the crash and to put them out. You know, because everyone's got a shepherd who's missing a leg or missing an arm. Or, you know, <laughs> there's a sheep who's missing a head. And you're like, well, how'd that get there? It doesn't have a head. <laughs> so, you know? um, and of course, you know, it, it's incredible that. Something so basic, something so ritual, like mm. unwrapping the figurines, you know, for mm. the Christmas scene. Uh, then now, you know, here I am, 12 years a priest, uh, 39 years of age, and it's, uh, you know, now it's, those those were all really seeds. They were like little Lego blocks mm. that now underwrite the devotion I have as a grown man and as a priest of Jesus Christ for the infant. And, uh, you know, there's a a slew of uh, young adults, college students, and uh, young professionals who you know, see me in the final steps of uh, preparation for entering seminary or religious life. And they, they reflect the culture. They reflect the world. And, you know, one of the things I just offer them is, you know, we're in the new season. So, like, one of the things I expect of everybody that meets with me is, you know, live the life of the church. We're mm-hmm. in the season of expectation. We're in the season of uh, receptivity, you know. So, we're already, believe it or not, we're already in the cave, you know, we're already there. We're already in the cave, and we're all distracted by, you know, it's like, who's that smelly guy called a shepherd? You know, he needs to take a bath. And why is that angel so bright? I need sunglasses, you know. <laughs> What's with this guy sleeping in the corner? You know, these animals are disgusting. That one's slobbering and everything else, you know. It's like, well, you're distracted by everything going on in the cave, but there's only one source of peace, and it's play. It's placed in the crib. It's the infant. I mean, so it's like direct your attention away from the chaos of the cave and focus on the infant in the crib, and then you're going to find the treasure. Then it's in the child that you'll find the treasure. And 
I think, you know, truth be told, one of the reasons why the Sacred Heart Devotion just kind of took over my priesthood was because, you know, 35 years ago, my family started initiating me into the customs and the practices of having great care and intention uh, to make sure that the Christmas scene was more important than anything else in the house, mm-hmm. making sure that the the infant Jesus, you know, his fingers weren't snapped off, his arm wasn't broken, you know, <laughs> making sure that he was there and and kind of, you know, almost having some, uh, I wouldn't say jealousy, maybe holy jealousy, that you were no longer the youngest person in the house that got to put mm-hmm. the infant there because it was something beautiful and it was mm-hmm. like the, the childlike nature of um, the youngest person was enthroning the infant in the only throne humanity offered him 2,000 years ago, which was a crib and, um, you know, in a trough. And truth be told, you know, those of us who know human nature and those of us who know the Blessed Virgin Mary, we all can rest assured that the Holy Virgin never put baby Jesus in a crib. You know, Mm -hmm. she held on to him with every heartbeat. She held him close. But the significance of the imagery of the crib is that Our Lady places her child apart from her in a trough, a place of nourishment, sustenance, so that we can draw close to him. You know, she steps back so that we can be close to the infant. And we all know, uh, you know, women who have just given birth, they're not just going to hand their newborn baby to, you know, some random shepherd that just stumbles in with some dirty flock. And, you know, it's like, no, she's going to protect that child. She's going to keep that child close to keep the child, the baby warm and fed and secure and safe and uh, to give that child a sense of, you know, human contact. But when here we are as Catholic Christians, we draw close to the Christmas scene, the crib, the child. What It's, it's counterintuitive. It's counter our nature. The mother and the father are apart from the baby. Well, the only reason why they're apart from that baby is so that we can become close to him. Mm-hmm. And there's like an excitement. I mean, I always think of, you know, every day as a priest, I pray the, uh, the night prayer and the canticle of Simeon. You know, his words are haunting. You know, Lord, now let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. My own eyes, my own eyes have seen the salvation which you have prepared in the sight of every people a light to reveal you to the nations and the glory of your people, Israel. You know, priests and religious and many, many lay people pray that that canticle every night before, at the end of the day, the canticle of Simeon. And it's just like, okay, Advent is where I'm preparing to be able to turn towards he who is already here. You know, it's not like I'm waiting at the door for the Lord to enter. It's like if I have that deep abiding devotion and relationship with the living God, Jesus, and his heart is in my home, his heart is in my heart, his heart is in my soul, his heart is the one that I adore in the Eucharist. You know, the Lord is here, so I'm asking for that grace to turn away from the chaos and the distractions in the cave. And I'm asking for the grace to turn towards the crib where I can see the light and the treasure and the infant. And I mean, I love, I mean, I never used to really love Advent. I was always like, you know, we take everything away and then we go all out <laughs> one night and then it's a Christmas season. But I, I just really, it's transformed over the years, and I'm so grateful for that transformation. And in my parish at Holy Family, you know, we added a devotion called the Rarte Mass. So it's a candlelight-only Mass offered in the darkness of the morning once a week. And it, it's very powerful, you know, because you see the wrestling match taking place within creation between the light of the rising sun in the east and the darkness of the night, the previous night. And the Mass is purposely offered by candlelight, you know, no lights are turned on so that we each, while we're praying the Mass, there's like a wrestling match going on. It's like, I'm waiting for the light. 
I'm not going to be a slave to the darkness of night. I'm waiting for the light of the rising sun. That is beautiful, Father. You know, and it's just, I mean, all these things transform our souls, you know. And, you know, during this time of COVID, we really do have more quiet time. It's true. To turn off you know, the screens and the television, and we we really do have more of an opportunity because, uh, like for Chuck and I and for many people, they are pretty much, you know, in their homes. Yeah. And But that can be a tremendous blessing to turn more towards the Lord right. in prayer. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, to those of us who are joining us during this Sacred Heart Hour on this first Friday of the month of December, the first Friday of the month of Advent, uh, you're on the Sacred Heart Hour here at St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. We're breaking now this first uh, uh, session, the segment of the Sacred Heart Hour, and entering into a break. So we invite you to join us as we wrap up this first segment by turning towards the Lord, the Lord Jesus, His most sacred heart. O most holy heart of Jesus, fountain of every blessing, we adore you. We love you, and with a lively sorrow for our heart, our sins, we offer you these poor hearts of ours. Make us humble, patient, pure, and wholly obedient to your will. Grant, good Jesus, that we may live in you and for you. Protect us in the midst of danger. Comfort us in our afflictions. Give us health of body, assistance in our temporal needs, your blessings in all that we do, and the grace of a holy death. Amen. Amen. Jesus said to love others as we love ourselves. He was assuming that we love ourselves. He wants us to believe that we're actually lovable. So what stops you from believing that about you? Scripture calls the devil the father of lies. And lies about who we are tend to slip into our lives in a million different ways. Bullying tells us you're weak. Molestation tells us you're worthless. Verbal abuse tells us you're unlovable. The self-abuse of sin tells us you are no better than your worst mistake. All lies from the father of lies. Jesus said, I am the truth. He also said the truth will set you free. So what's the truth about you? The truth is, we have a Savior and God who thinks that you are worth dying for. When you hear those false identities whispered in your ear, replace them with your real identity, loved. I was actually raised in the Catholic Church. I I, um, went to grade school uh, through sixth grade, and pretty much about the time I went to high school, Um, I stopped attending church and really didn't think much more about it for a number of years. The return to church, the Catholic Church, was somewhat of an evolution. I thought I knew what the Catholic Church believed and taught, but uh, learned very quickly from somebody who knew far more about the Bible than I ever hoped to know. Uh, I learned that the Catholic Church, what it truly taught, and that that's where I needed to be. I'm a recovered alcoholic and drug addict. Without God in my life, I'd probably be dead. God has literally saved my life. I feel like I'm truly on the road to um, the fulfillment of of really all of my desires, uh, which is ultimately to spend eternity in heaven with myself and my family. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today.
Good morning and welcome to St. Gabriel Catholic Radio's Sacred Heart Hour on this first Friday of the month. As we enter into this month of December and this month of Advent, we have an opportunity here at the St. Gabriel Catholic Radio family to renew our devotion to the heart of Jesus as it's the first Friday. Uh, here coming live from the studio, you have Father Stosh Daly and Bill Messerly. And joined over the phone, we have Joanne Wilson. Good morning. And I'm sure Chuck is there too, right? He says he's back in his room, but he keeps coming in every now and then. <laughs> from the coach's chair, right? You're from the coaching chair. <laughs> no, no. Well, you know, we, we spent the first segment um, of this uh, Sacred Heart Hour here on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio on this first Friday of the month, this day dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Uh, kind of revisiting the opportunity to renew the culture of our home, uh, to make that culture, to breathe into that culture of our home, uh, the centrality of Jesus and his heart, and especially his incarnation. Um, and as we enter into this uh, next segment of this Sacred Heart Hour, we invite all of our listeners to join us in our daily covenant renewal with the Sacred Heart. Simple, Simply put, it goes, Dear Sacred Heart of Jesus, we renew our pledge of love and loyalty to you. Keep us always close to your loving heart and to the most immaculate heart of your mother. May we love one another more each day, forgiving each other's faults as you forgive us our sins. Teach us to see you and the members of our family and those we meet outside the home, loving them as you love them, especially the poor and oppressed, that we may be instrumental in bringing about justice and peace. Help us to carry our cross daily out of love for you, and help us strengthen this love by frequent participation in the celebration of the Eucharist. Thank you, dear Jesus, for all the blessings of this day. Protect us and all families during this night. Help us to live that we might get to heaven. Amen. 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 Joanne, we covered a lot of territory. Well, you know, we did, Father, but I just think that maybe, because Chuck is not here, that... (laughs) engineer to <laughs> keep us on track that we didn't actually go through what is an enthronement and the easy steps to an enthronement that it's certainly not a mystery it's something that is very doable for individuals for families even businesses and now we have what what four or five schools in our diocese who have enthroned the schools But I think to just maybe briefly just share about choose a time, and you can do the three-day preparation, or you can do a longer one, uh, seven-day preparation. The important thing is that you do prepare. Like you prepare for Christmas, you prepare for birthdays. It's something that is so valuable to take that time and prepare you have a, a select a sacred image. It can be an image that has been in your family. Often people say, oh, my grandmother had one, and oh, yeah, I have that. And, or you can secure them on the welcomehisheart.com, and that you know all the information is there for you to have an image of the sacred heart because our Lord asked St. Margaret Mary to have an image exposed and honored of his most sacred heart and put it in a prominent place and put it in a place where you see it and where the family gathers. 
and Father has even shared, which I love, totally agree, move it. You know, if you just kind of get used to seeing it and you don't really pay, well, move it to another prominent place after a while. Prepare your hearts and go through the prayers, the booklet. It's very, probably 15, 20 minutes for the days. Say either a decade of the rosary or some, that's really recommended. The whole rosary would be the best. And then on the day of the enthronement, gather and say the prayers and hang the picture. And then it's not an ending, it's a beginning. It's a beginning of a new welcoming, a new relationship with our Lord. So, Father, Bill, I tried my best. I'm not stuck. <laughs> uh, I think you did phenomenal. Great job. <sighs> A++. Plus plus. So what, what would you like to add to this? I've... Uh, <laughs> Joins Wendy. I did it. <laughs> well, I think you know. While a Sunday, the Lord's Day is obviously preferable. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're in the the season of Advent, and we have so many beautiful, powerful opportunities. I mean, on December eighth, you have the opportunity of making use of the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception, a beautiful day where we can reflect on the glory of God's grace shining through Our Lady, the Immaculata. That'd be an excellent day. Uh, for the enthronement of the Sacred Heart. Then, you know, just around the corner after that, you've got Our Lady of Guadalupe on the 12th. I mean, these are, it's not just like the Sundays. I mean, the Sundays are powerful because it's the day of the right. resurrection. But, I mean, we've got so many beautiful days. So it's like, okay, this year, if you're if you're looking for that light to shine in the darkness, if you're trying to rebuild or restore Christ to the center of the culture of your home, then enthrone the Lord or re-renew or re-enthrone the Sacred Heart of Jesus in your home on a Sunday in Advent. Prepare for the coming of the Lord and His birth, but also at the final coming. But then there's also those other special days, you know, Immaculate Conception, Our Lady of Guadalupe, uh, Immaculate Conception on the 8th, and then Our Lady of Guadalupe on the 12th. And um, a beautiful way to not only kind of uh, till over the soil in our own hearts, where we can become creatures of routine, but we don't want the heart of Jesus to become a slave to routine, you know where he's just hanging on the wall and done. I mean, we always highlight how honoring the Lord after we expose his heart in the home is incredibly fruitful and powerfully important. Um, you know, and sometimes we have to change things up a bit. So like you said, you know, maybe we renewed uh, or we enthroned the heart of Jesus on a Sunday in years past, um, but here we are in the Advent season. We have an opportunity to renew it on a day of significance or importance. Maybe there's a special feast day of a saint that's, you know, he or she's particularly important to those who dwell there in the home. And to just renew that love within our hearts for the heart of Jesus. And, Um, you know, what we've done, of course, this year, I don't think probably we'll even be together with the family on Christmas, depending on, you know, the COVID situation. But to pray as a family, to renew as a family, the Sacred Heart, before the presence, before entering into that kind of celebration of Christmas, was so powerful, so peaceful, so kind of getting it back to Jesus and what this day is really all about, because we can you lose track. It's like, oh, great, you know, let's, let's eat, drink, and be merry and open up some presents without really focusing in on Jesus and his most sacred heart, which is the whole reason for the season, as they say. 
You know, I'm struck, uh, Father, from what you talked about in the last half hour, and that was that Jesus came into a cave, mm-hmm. in a cave that was imperfect. Mm-hmm. And isn't that an, a good mm-hmm. analogy for how comfortable he is and entering our imperfect homes. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I love that. In our imperfect lives. I, I mean, it, anything we so offer true. is going to be a step up from the first greeting we gave him, you know? <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, my home is just not nice. It's like, well, is it better than a hole in the cave? Because, yeah. I mean, that's what we gave him the first time around. So if it is, I mean, it's going to be like a Hilton. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, don't worry about it. I mean, we get so stuck on the surroundings, uh, the context, the environment, that we forget the treasure of the gift, the heart Jesus offers us. It's a very difficult decision, though, to stand there, even though it's a prayer that uh, is adapted from your prayers and Father Matteo, uh, his prayers when you enthrone your home. So you, you follow it. It's, it's an easy how-to, and it doesn't right. take a long time. Yeah. But yeah. isn't this a difficult, difficult thing? We, we say that it it's is. easy, but yeah. that's the how. The process is easy. The process yeah, is easy, and right. you can do that at welcomeisheart.com yeah. and download it, or yeah. if you receive that from St. Gabriel or at the most recent Sacred Heart Congress. Yeah. Give us some advice on how to overcome that you know, we we heard the the reading earlier this week when when Andrew and Peter were both invited to drop their nets, right? Yeah, and they did the extraordinary thing of dropping their nets right away. <laughs> it's true, and but I, you know, if you let's think about that, we um, this earlier this week we celebrated the great uh, feast of the Apostle Saint Andrew, and the thing we learn about Andrew is there's so much you learn about someone when you uh, admire the mystery of their lives, and when you learn about how they turn towards Jesus. When Andrew responded to the call given by Jesus, we learn that Andrew was waiting. Andrew was expecting. Andrew mm-hmm. might have been looked at upon as a fanatic by the eyes of the people who were quote-unquote normal or popular. But the truth of the matter is, Andrew's heart was waiting, and that's one of the reasons why we celebrate his feast day, uh, usually at the beginning of Advent, is because he's a beautiful, powerful example from among the College of Apostles of someone who knew what to—he was waiting, and he was looking, and he was searching. In the words of the the gospel passage from Mark in the first Sunday of Advent, he was watching. You know, and truth be told, um, he already knew Jesus— you know, there weren't that many people in the area. It's not like he was living in a two point, you know, four million metropolis. You know, he knew <laughs> Jesus. But when Jesus turned those words on, you know, and they came in the form of an invitation, Andrew, within his heart, he was already waiting. He was watching. He was attentive. He was alert. And when Andrew heard, he responded. So many of us are not watching. We're not attentive because we're not living. We're just settling for existence. And the other thing that is exhibited by Andrew is Andrew loved his family. Like, Andrew didn't just drop everything and run after Jesus. No. What did he do? He went and grabbed his brother, Peter. I mean, he wasn't, it wasn't, you know, every man for himself and God for all. (laughs) It was, uh, (laughs) Jesus, okay, the lamb is speaking. I'm going to respond, but I'm not coming alone. I'm bringing my loved ones, my brother, Simon. And this is what we know about Simon. He was a widower. I mean, Simon had buried his wife. He had charge of his mother-in-law. He was caring for his mother-in-law, who later on in scriptures had a fever that Jesus healed her of. And in gratitude, she stood up and took care of Jesus. 
But Simon was a widower, so Simon knew the sorrow of life. He knew the sorrow of living in the Valley of Tears. I did not know that he was a widower. Is that in the scriptures? Oh, yeah. See, what happens is when Jesus visits the home of Simon Peter, we hear about how Jesus healed his mother-in-law of a fever, and she got up and waited on Jesus. Well, she would not have been able to do that if Simon's wife was alive, if her daughter was living. That would have been a major social boo-boo. That would not take place. You know, you would not do that. That would have been the mother-in-law, you know, basically stepping on the toes of her daughter in whose house she was living by her good graces. So it's the social context that reveals so much to us of the humanity of the hearts of those who responded to Jesus. And Andrew, he doesn't want to leave his brother behind. He knows his brother has had true sorrow in his life, but he also knows his brother, Simon, soon to be renamed Peter, is also waiting for the Messiah. He's waiting for the coming of the Lord. And what's beautiful and powerful is Jesus is already there. I mean, it's not like Jesus just showed up in the village for the first time and everyone's like, who are you? And he's like, I'm the Lamb of God. Follow me. Drop your nets. (laughs) That's a really (laughs) tough job. I'm going to give you an easier one. I'm going to make you fishers of men, by the way. It's like, okay, fish, bite. Men, ignore. So with all due respect, easier to be a fisherman. You know, a lot more patience required, of course. But, you know, when Jesus calls to them, The gravity of his words bring light to life. And Andrew not only responds because he's ready and willing, Andrew will not leave without his brother, his family member. And so you learn so much about the power of family. You learn so much about the power of being attentive and awake. I mean, this is, these are the gospels. I I love it. You know, someone's like, Father, there's a new book out by this author, you know, so and so, and it's going to, just radically transform the way you have mindfulness. And it's like, okay, that's called the Gospel of John. And that's not (laughs) new. It's been out for 2,000 years, you know. So it's like we really are what we read. And that's why, you know, we want to make sure whatever we read from the Gospels all the way up to like a new book about the Sacred Heart published, you know, written by Emily Jim, we need to make sure we are what we read. And whatever we read has to be of life. Yeah. It has to be of Jesus, and we need, we just need to make sure we bring ourselves back to that. And it's a it's a beautiful, it's a powerful, uh, you know, something to consider in this season of Advent. It's just like, am I waiting for the Lord? Am I watching for the Lord? Am I listening to Him so that as He's speaking, I can actually hear, listen, and respond? And the other thing is, am I willing to bring my family? Am mm. I willing to bring my friends? Mm. Am I willing to have that awkward conversation where it's like, I know the Lord. I've seen the Lord. I've heard the Lord. Come with me and let's go to him. And, you know, not give up. Exactly. And not give up. I know personally I have a friend from second grade, a life friend, that I could have given up on. (laughs) I'm not still giving up. (laughs) And I can see a little crack every now and then. I can see a little crack. But first of all, to pray for your family members, pray for the people that God has put on your heart, but then also be open to the Holy Spirit. And the other thing is that with family prayer or enthronement or your children, helping them come back or go deeper, remember, there is spiritual warfare. It's real. Yeah. And whether it's planning a Congress or even a good intention to add, you know, something more to your uh, day of prayer, there's going to be a little spiritual warfare. But once you understand that that is what it is, 
for me, it makes me more determined. And just like when the kids would start acting up when we were going to pray the rosary, Chad called 911, and he was eight years old. We had the police coming to our house the first time we tried to pray a family rosary. But it was, <laughs> well, tell no us kidding. more about that. Why did he call 911? <laughs> he dialed 911. But, you know, it's, it's part of the battle. And so it actually helps you stay more committed and more... Um, well, determined to say, Lord, will have the victory. I trust in you. And all right, it looks like, you know, this battle today is not going well, but I'm here for the war. I'm here for the long victory. And I'm not giving up because I love this person. I love my family. I love my spouse. And I'm going to hang in there for whatever it takes, Jesus. And I think... When we have that mindset, I do think we have a deeper understanding, and um, I think it's a grace to kind of see that the battle is not just what's happening in, on this level, but there's a spiritual battle happening, and we need spiritual weapons to fight the battle, which is prayer and fasting and changing our heart, and that's what the Sacred Heart Enthronement helps us to do. Father Stosh, what if uh, somebody is listening right now and they're feeling that nudge and they're probably also uh, doing some math in their head that they are going to be accused either from the, mm. you know, the, uh, a little voice on their shoulder or maybe from themselves or maybe from somebody else in the family. The accusation will be, who are you to accept Lord at the center of your home? What kind of advice would you give them? I'd say be honest. Just call it out and say, I'm a filthy, rotten sinner in need of redemption and salvation. Mm-hmm. That's why I want Jesus in my home. You know, it's, like, <laughs> it's just like, there, put that on a bumper sticker. You know, I mean, everyone, everyone's looking, everyone is on guard against hypocrisy. And so when someone is turning towards authenticity and sincerity, they realize they can only find that in the Lord. And then when they become like Andrew and they start offering the treasure they found to others, you know, people are on guard. No one trusts authority today. You know, no, everyone, no one trusts authority. Everyone's filled with doubt. Everyone's filled with a strong desire for self-preservation. We can't trust that the other person's actually got my true benefit in mind. Everyone's grasping for authority. Everyone's grasping for power. Well, what does that all come from? That all comes from fear. Hmm. So when we live in a world of fear, in an age of fear, in a climate, in a time of fear, of course, there's going to be a struggle for power and there's going to be incredible doubt and hesitancy. But in the face of all that, when like you show up to your spouse and you're like, oh, you know, I really think we should bring the sacred art into our home. And there's just like that head roll and the eyes look out the side and you're like, well, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Or a child or a parent or a neighbor or a coworker or a boss or an employee. It doesn't matter. You know, someone somewhere on the line is going to look at you like, well, when did you become holier than thou? Let's just say, I didn't become holier than thou. I just realized I'm a sinner in need of redemption and salvation, and the Lord Jesus Christ is offering it, and I'm going to make good on what he's offering. You know? So I'm, I'm always like, I'm not a hypocrite. I'm the, I'm the first of other sinners. You know, I need the Lord more than anyone else, but I'm just merely sharing what I found, which is the Lord, mm-hmm. who is the Lord. It's very much like what Andrew did with his brother, Simon Peter, you know? And that is a powerful way to kind of cultivate within us this, it's like, okay, well, who am I trying to please here? 
you know, my first assignment was at St. Michael the Archangel and the pastor at the time, Father Pendolfi, may he rest in peace, he would always say, I got two groups of people to please. I got all of humanity on one side and the Trinity on the other. Guess what, humanity? You lose. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's like, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are the ones that I got to please, you know? <laughs> the rest of you, I mean, I hope you like me, but I'm not going to bet on it, you know? I mean, there's got to be that kind of sense of um, true, true abandonment yeah. to, you know, union with the will of the heart of Jesus and the, the will of the Lord, the will of the Father. And I mean, at some point we have to realize if I'm going to follow the living God and if I'm going to you know, obey the commandments and if I'm going to live by the precepts of the church and all of a sudden, if I do believe life is sacred from conception to natural death and marriage is one man and woman, one woman till death do them part. And parents do have a responsibility, the primary responsibility to educate their children. Guess what? Yeah. You're going to stand out as being different. Yeah. So why try to please those who want to dwell in the darkness or focus on the cave when you know you're being called to focus on the light and on the crib? And it takes guts. It takes the virtue of fortitude. It takes conviction. But guess what? If you're listening to the voice of the one who made you, knows you, loves you, sustains you, follow the voice. And in this season, what do we learn about the Lord? He whispers in the silence. There's going to be a whimper that comes from the infant. Are we going to be attentive enough to follow the whimper, the cry, the whisper? Um, you know, I mean, this is, like I said, Advent, this Advent gives us such a beautiful, powerful opportunity to turn towards Jesus. And you know what, Father? I was just, uh, oh, that is such a beautiful sharing. It's I'm so exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where this stuff comes from other than the Holy Spirit, but oh. <laughs> I need some WD-40. <laughs> You know, it brings us back to the promises it's true. given to St. Margaret Mary by Jesus for us about peace and about tepid hearts. Yes. You know, becoming fervent. Yep. I mean, our own heart, our own tepid heart, coming to the sacred heart to become more fervent, more in love with them, get that fire of love. But also some of our dear ones that we love uh, even our family members our dear friends that is a that's a great promise yeah it's a beautiful all promise great. yeah no, absolutely. And I think advent is a powerful time. I know it's a powerful time for those of us who struggle with you know, being tepid in the spiritual life or lukewarm in the spiritual yeah. life. You know, it's a powerful time to say, well, what am I really all about? You know, am I really, am I really willing to be someone in 2020 who as an adult is going to follow an infant? I mean, I'm supposed to be the one looking out for the infant, taking care of the child, but am I really like heeding the words of Isaiah and a little child shall lead them? Am I really going to follow a little child? You know, and it requires of us docility and humility and flexibility. It requires of us a surrender to surrender to Jesus, you Doesn't know? Doesn't it really start sometimes, if you don't have the feeling, you can give the decision. Yeah. You can give the choice. And, you know, I just think about, you know, decorating for Christmas. I, I really didn't have the feeling, but I did have the choice. Yes. Good and way with, to put after it. after the choice yeah. came the feeling. And there's like a reward there. It's like, I choose Jesus. Yep. I choose Jesus. Yeah. And you can take a step today by going to welcomeisheart.com, uh, download or order the information on how to enthrone Jesus Christ as your king, brother, and friend in your home. Take that step. And um, the great news is when he comes into these caves, these mm. imperfect areas, so true. is that he will bring his light 
regardless of what your heart is like, as long as it's open and you're willing to open your hands so that he can enter your own heart and everybody else's heart. His promises, we talked about that, those promises are not human promises. These came from Jesus Christ himself, that there will be peace in your home and he'll give you consolation in all of your struggles as a family. So, true. so go to com and throw in your home, set the date, and stick by it. Don't let anything get in your way. Oh, Bill, that's perfect. Now, how, having dealt with COVID, do you have any particular sharings for us or any insights, having had your home enthroned and being devoted to the Sacred Heart and having gone through this terrible virus that's, you know, raging our world? What what are your insights? I, I've not had the virus yet. <laughs> Hopefully, I won't. Well, I, I suspect mm-hmm. it's like any illness. Um, there there are elderly family members that that we all care for. Um, it allowed me to have a little bit more empathy for how they feel day to day. To day. They you know some of my elder, elderly family members will just say, "Well, heck, I've had those COVID symptoms for years." You know, I've been tired. I, you know, I, 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 I can't get my breath, and yeah. so I, I think it was a gift for me mm. to better understand that we are all going through physical um, transitions throughout our lives, and it's important for us to have that empathy for others. It's important for us to know. And I had this thought uh, several times, not because I was that sick, thank God. But that at some point in our lives, we all will take that last breath, and we want that last mm. breath to be that last breath that, in the 12 promises that Jesus gave to St. Margaret Mary Alaco, is that in that last breath, he will be by our side, and he will beckon to us if we place him on that throne of authority in our lives and allow our homes to be a Bethany, to be a place of familiarity with our Jesus. Yeah. That's wow. Beautiful. That is so helpful, Bill. Thank you for sharing that. That is very meaningful. I know it's meaningful for so many out there. I know it's meaningful for me, and and uh, you're absolutely right. See, I think you got that insight from the Sacred Heart. <laughs> you got to give credit where it's due. That's exactly right. Well, yeah, that's exactly right. Bill and Joanne, as we bring to a close this uh, Sacred Heart Hour on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio in celebration of the first Friday of the month, first Friday of the season of Advent, we invite all of our listeners to um, join with us as we bring to a close this time we spend with each other, allowing ourselves to be open to the grace that our Father gives so that we may turn towards His Son. And Father, this is the four-year anniversary of the Sacred Heart Hour. Today? Today? What? Yes, that's what Chuck told me. Well, he would know. Can you believe it? Four years. Well, I'll let you blow out the candles. (laughs) I'll let you blow out the candles. (laughs) You know, COVID, we can't be blowing out candles together. So So, you blow out your candles, I'll blow out mine. And then uh, we'll we'll bring to a close. We'll just offer up in thanksgiving and praise uh, the gift of this hour. And uh, by joining together our hearts and our intentions, most kind Jesus, we humbly kneel at thy feet. We renew our consecration of ourselves to thy divine heart. Be thou our King forever. In you we have full and entire confidence. May thy Holy Spirit penetrate our thoughts, our desires, our words, and our deeds. Bless our undertakings, share in our joys and in our trials and in our labors. Grant us to know thee better, to love thee more, and to serve thee without faltering. Amen. 
Amen. This is listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM820 on WVSG Columbus and FM88.3 WSGR New Boston, Portsmouth.